Hey gang, welcome back to another episode of the Let's Level Up podcast. I am your host, Rick Perez, and um, I'm really excited about this one. One, I'm excited that I actually kept my promise, and this will be the second week in a row uh, since our return, that we're going to do a podcast when we said we were. And uh, you know, that's 100%. You can't beat that. It's like, what is that, batting a thousand? I don't know. I don't know anything about sports. I play board games. You know, it's not... (laughs) It's not great. I'm super excited, though, to have my uh, my, my buddy, my pal. Uh, I love him. I'm sure you love him as well. In fact, you're probably listening uh, to this podcast to listen to him and not me. Uh, but Lance, nope. the undead Viking mixer. Mikester. Ah, oh, Mikester. You got it Mikester. wrong. Yes. Yes, you got it wrong. I get Everybody it wrong gets every time. Name. Well, there's only a couple of dozen of us in the in the world, so it's you don't really run into it. But, yeah, Mikester, it's, it's kind of a – it's kind of a neat thing. It is kind of neat that in the annals of history, I'm the only person that's been named my name. I think that's kind of cool. That is like, that is really cool. Yeah, from the beginning of time, you know, to this moment, I'm the only person who's ever had the name Lance Meister. You know, I'm just going to, as, as always, I go off and tell a little story. There's a fantastic um, picture, and you, you can Google it, but it's of the um, uh, Apollo lander, like going to land on the moon. And it's like it, it's just left the main ship or whatever it was, the orbiter. And, and the, the astronaut, who I forget his name now, let's just call him Bob Jones. Uh, Bob Jones takes, took a picture of the lander moving off towards to go land on the moon. And behind it, you can see the Earth. You see all of the Earth. Like, you know, just the, and the, the caption on the photo is, um, at the time this photo was taken... Every single human being alive and dead was in this picture, other than Bob Jones. So if you think about that, like he was oh, the only wow. human being that wasn't in that picture, technically, because he took a picture of the Earth. That's crazy. Yeah. Anyway, that has nothing to do with anything we're going to talk about. You just blew my mind way too early in this <laughs> podcast. I can't. It's going to be downhill <laughs> for me, buddy. But anyway, hey, how you doing, Ricky? I'm doing so good, man. I'm doing great. Uh, it was it's a little rocky for the past couple months, but I really felt like I've gotten my uh, my second wind, got my feet back out from under me, or yeah, whatever, however that expression goes. And uh, super stoked to be making content again, man. Uh, I missed it. I missed the hell out of this thing. Yeah. Uh, no podcasts. Uh, I, if if I had known how much fun podcasts were, um, maybe I would have done that instead of making videos like 10 years ago yeah you know you're one of the first channels i started watching whenever um i got into this hobby uh you you and you and tox um were, were my yeah. two big uh go-tos uh, and, and now and rodney tox has, a, tox has a job in the industry and i somehow uh scammed my way into a job in the industry there so. you go man clever got yeah. you this far but tricky got you in to quote uh, Maynard. <laughs> well, when I um, when I when 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 Michael Mendez offered me the job at Taste of Mr. Games, uh, I told him that my grandfather once told me. He said, "Find something you love to do, and then trick somebody into paying you to do it." <laughs> and I said, "I guess I finally pulled that off." That's awesome. And he thought that was funny. You know, um, we have a uh, a long history with Taste of Mr. Games on this podcast. We've had both Seth Jaffe. Is that how you say his last name? Yeah, Seth Jaffe. Seth Jaffe, and then uh, we had Ed Marriott on during the uh, the Scoville run as well, um, way back when we first started this thing. So uh, it's a great to have that, another TMG a game that totally holds up. Like if you if you go back and play Scoville, I mean it's like it is. It's it's like I, I still play that game. It's so much fun. Like you know, moving and, and, and cultivating your peppers and 
make having chili contests. Oh, for Love sure. That game. I mean, tasty. A lot of tasty minstrel games really hold up. I mean, uh, we talked about Seth, but Eminent Domain is fantastic. I, I love that game uh, still to this day. We we probably get it to the table um, every other month or so, which is which says a lot, I think, in this uh, when you've got a big collection. Yeah, and then like he had Eminent Domain Oblivion, which was the most recent uh, expansion for it. And I keep telling him that he has to uh, do like Eminent Domain Big Box, which would be like come up with like one last awesome expansion, and then but we gotta sell it in like a big box so you can put all of your Eminent Domain stuff in one box. Oh, that'd be so, awesome. Yeah, and so who knows? But he's now now he's like he's got all these other designs that he's like working on that are like super cool, but like you know the, he's just kind of branched off. Plus, he had really good success with Crusaders, which. Um, if I remember correctly, you know, should be in stores here like end of November, maybe. Awesome. Like I think his one is, which and he's already got an expansion like that he's designed for it already. So he's 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 all he's all really gung ho for that Crusaders game that he came up with. So, oh, that's great, man. Good for speaking Seth. of eminent domain. Weird thing about that is is that that is like like in the Teach Minstrel Games uh, family, that is like everybody's favorite TMG game except for me I'm like I'm like the one holdout that that's like uh and mine's um uh Kings of Air and Steam which you know sadly is like out of print and probably never coming back I don't but think I ever played that one yeah it's like a pickup and deliver game with uh um that was um like you you, you moved your dirigibles around but you also like had trains that you used as well it, it was just this really cool um, like programmable movement game. I really oh, like cool. programmable movement, and I've always liked pick up and deliver as well. So it kind of, you know, combine those two things. I, but, I, yeah. I, you know, it's it's interesting that you're on right now um, with everything that's going on right now with 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 Tasty Minstrel and you guys are doing a Kickstarter because my first TMG game I played was Belfort, and uh, really? I loved it. Yeah, and I and I I really liked. I know we disagree on this point, but I really liked Lords of Waterdeep. Uh, when I first started, and I understand that you're not a big fan of the Lords. I think I think Lords of Waterdeep is a perfectly fine game, um, but it's 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 an entry level game. It is for sure. It and it it doesn't um, it does it doesn't really. My friend Craig, uh, a guy. Okay, so like just a little background. On my gaming group. I've had I've been I've been buddies with them most of them, um since grade school. So like we're talking, you know, 30, 35 years uh, of playing games and, and goofing around with these guys. But my buddy Craig, who, you know, I've known him forever, you know, he was in my wedding, all kinds of things. He like we, we played it and he was excited to play. And then and then like he I forget what the crack was, but it was like we the game ended and he had like almost finished this quest. Oh, and no. he very mockingly said something like, Oh but we'll never find out if the Minotaur Lord was slain now. You know, it was something like that. And I was just like, and that really encapsulated our feeling because we were like a role-playing game group first. Yeah. And so we were like excited to play this D&D board game, you know. And then we were just like, ah, it just didn't feel like a, uh, it didn't feel like a, a, a D&D game. It just felt like, you know, oh, you know, move my little, like orange cube over here to do this. It didn't feel like you were moving a cleric, you know, to do oh, what you're supposed to do. For sure, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. For sure, that's that's. Uh, if you're looking for it with a uh, the thought of coming from an RPG D and D standpoint, um, 
man, it really doesn't do a lot to scratch that itch. But it's it's got some pretty cool basic worker placement mechanics. Well, and then there was that one quest. There's the one quest that gives you that weird like orb or something like that that allows you to put a worker at the same place as somebody else. Uh huh. And like, and the person who gets that is just like has like the completely overpowered ability for like the rest of the game. Yeah. Like you know, it it it, it would like. When we play it, I just throw that out because, <laughs> because, like, because it, it is. It's just, it's. I with the expansion, I'll say this with the like, what is it, the Skull Duggery expansion or whatever, uh-huh. Skull Port or whatever it is. It is a more serviceable game at that point, but you know, like I said, it's not bad. It's just, you know, it's kind of, eh, you know, I, I there's. I mean, if I'm gonna play a worker placement eh game, like I'll play like Pillars of the Earth which I think is just, like, with the turn structure of that one, you know, drawing the, the pawns out of the bag. You know, it's still a really simplistic uh, uh, game of, um, you know, worker placement, but I just I enjoy that one more. No, that's great. Uh, tell me a bit about what's going on with the campaign right now. So for those people uh, that don't know. Oh, yeah. So for those of you who don't know why we're even talking about this, um, <laughs> uh, Belfort uh, was one of the um, – it was a game that came out – after uh, TMG launched with Homesteaders and Terra Prime, uh, which was you know now coming up on those came out in 2009, and uh, what happened was uh, Jay Cormier was at like what was at that time what's considered to be an unpub or whatever that is you know like now we know what that is but I mean it was at like some like, hey, you know, show up here and you can show off your games kind of thing. And Jay Cormier was, was, had Belfort. And he wandered by um, a table where there's a group of people playing a game. And they said, hey, we need another player. Would you like to play? And he sat down and, and played um, this game, uh, which I, if I remember correctly, I think it was Homesteaders. And he sat down and he played Homesteaders for the first time ever. And he was just like, oh, you know, this is kind of a cool game. It's interesting and everything like that. And then um, they got done, and they were all kind of sitting around, and he had had a good time. And he said, "Hey, uh, can we? You, you mind if we play this game?" And and they're like, "Yeah, sure, take it out." And so he set up Belfort, or his prototype Belfort at the time. And um, and like immediately when he set it up, it was like because it's got the weird Pentagon board. Mm-hmm. Like people were like, "Oh, what's going on?" You know, like you are approaching. What is this? You know, and then he, he was kind of explaining the game, and they all played it. And they got done, and they. Like, the, the two of the guys at the table said, that was a really fun game, you know, and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's like, it's pretty cool. And they're like, you know, can we play it again? And he's like, well, I got to go and do something else, but he, well, let's get together and play it again tomorrow. And he's like, okay, cool, you know. What he didn't realize is that was Michael Mendez and Seth Jaffe. <laughs> and then the next day they played it again, and they said, this game is really, really awesome. We'd like to publish it. And, and that's how, like, Belfort kind of, he did. He wasn't trying to show off the game because he didn't realize he was playing with publishers. He just thought he was just playing with a couple of other designers. But um, so Belfort got to be made, and now Belfort never went into Kickstarter. It was just straight published, and they put it out, and it got created. And um, you know, it it uh, you know made a splash at the time. Got pretty well received, won some awards. They did do a Kickstarter for the expansion expansion. That was after they had Eminent Domain on Kickstarter, and maybe something else. I can't remember. Maybe the, maybe Kings of Air and Steam. I don't remember exactly. But um, they 
did the expansion expansion, but then like both the base game and the expansion kind of fell into like that out of print area, you know, and just like there's still some copies rolling around. Well, not for the expansion. The expansion was gone. If like if you wanted the expansion, you had to pay out the nose for it. So we've been talking about reprinting it for like, well, as long as I've been with the company, which is coming up on three years now. And and we were like, we got to reprint that. And we were always talking about going through a reprint process. And like, we just decided, you know, it's like, hey, we're celebrating Tasty Mitchell Games uh, 10th anniversary in 2019. We want to bring all these games back that we originally published and now we're out of print. Homesteaders was one of these uh, that, that we did a Kickstarter for that funded, and we'll be doing that. So Belfort, we're like, let's just do it. Let's just reprint Belfort. And Jay and Sin had just on their own, we didn't realize this, they had just kind of just created more content for it, and they were using it in their home games. And they were like, well, hey, we got all this stuff. like, it, And it was enough like different modules and things that it was its own expansion in its own right. And we're like, perfect. And so uh, we went in and we, we got a brand new expansion. Um, you can get a reprint of the games that you don't have. We've upgraded some of the components that are, that are that were in the game, which really didn't need to happen, honestly, because Belfort really had, at the time, I mean, now when you buy a game, like, you expect to, like, have uh, wooden components that look like the thing that they are, right? Mm-hmm. You... you you expect to have, um, you know, you, you don't expect to just have cubes. But, I mean, you know, you know as well as I do that, like, you know, if back in the day it was like uh, the brown cubes are wood, you know, the, the <laughs> black cubes are coal. I mean, that was just what we did. You didn't have a coal-shaped piece of wood. You didn't have – but Belfort, like, Michael at that time said, this is dumb. Why don't we just have, you know, the pieces represent – look like the things that they represent. And so he actually like did that with Belfort, which was you know one of the reasons why one of the reasons I think it helped that people got excited about it. And so um, there wasn't a lot as far as the upgrades do. And we got some metal coins that that you can get you know for instead of having everybody loves metal coins. You know they like playing with them and they make the clinky noise. Um, but the big thing is is that um, Taste Mitchell Games almost always has stickers in their games. Yeah. Um, just because it's You'd have a piece of wood, and you put a sticker on it, and and you and 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 it's easy to tell what it is. Um, you know, Orleans had it, Belfort has it. Um, you know, even to a certain degree, like Yokohama had some. You know, and one of the things we've always heard from people is like, "Ugh, stickers." You know, um, I remember when we had the 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 Kickstarter for uh, Gentis when we were able to. Um, silkscreen the pieces instead of having people to use stickers. Like that was a stretch goal, and they were like, "Yay, no stickers!" <laughs> so, but we found out actually. This is a long story, and I apologize. But um, I was wandering. Uh, I was at Origins, and I happened to wander by um, uh, Glenn Drover's uh, uh, booth for Forbidden Games, and he had his. I think it was it's Railroad Tycoons or something like that. It's a tile laying game that has these really nice. Thick wooden tiles, and but they had like this. It wasn't a sticker, but it was like really, really highly detailed, um, like information on there. Like, like you could see, like, like it was, it was like, 
like because the tiles themselves represented like different cities and things like that. And so you can see like like you know, the Chicago skyline and stuff like that. And I was like, whoa, you know, how did you do this? And he said he had found some company that was able to do um, a heat transfer of, of, a, of a painted image onto the wood. And it's like, and it's embedded in the wood. It doesn't wear off. It's, it's, it's there to stay. That's awesome. And so, yeah. So I asked him for a contact for the company that he used. And, and so we got in contact with them and they're like, yeah, we can do this. And we showed them the Belfort stuff. So now the Belfort, all everybody's, everybody's uh, uh, player pieces are all going to have heat transfer images onto them. So nobody has to use any stickers. That sounds, now, that sounds really cool. <laughs> yeah. So people are, and the thing is, is that now, since we know that's an option, you know, going forward, you know, for uh, like, you know, games that we publish going forward, you know, we will be able to now remove that, that sticker process from it. Now, that being said, we are still going to include sticker sheets for the new material for like somebody who's like, okay, I have the old base game of Belfort, but I never got the expansion expansion. Okay. Cause you can get that through the Kickstarter. Um, even though those pieces in there will be heat transfer wood, we'll include a sticker sheet just so if you want to make sure the pieces match like the older ones, you know, like so they don't, they don't, they, they look the same. You know, we're doing that. So because we, we want to make sure people don't have like an anachronistic look, you know, to the pieces. So oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's just like that's something that we always try to think of. It's like, uh, you know, what would we want if I, if I own the game, would I want my pieces to look the same? Probably, you know, 99% of people probably wouldn't care. But, you know, for the 1% does, you know, throw on a sticker sheet into everybody's uh, box, you know, costs us a penny, you know, and it, it, it's it's a negligible weight. So we don't really have to worry about that. So why not do it and just make sure that, you know, people aren't uh, annoyed that they don't have uh, things that match up. So oh, that's great. You know, I haven't looked at the campaign, the campaign since you guys launched it, but uh, how, how's it doing so far? Uh, well, we funded in less than an hour, which, you know, which is cool. I mean, yeah. well, I always, I, I laugh because you always see those, those people that have, I mean, and, oh, I shouldn't say this because people, somebody's going to take offense to this, but, uh, don't take no offense. I mean, yes, it is a marketing thing and, 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 and people are drawn to things that are successful. If, if you see a lot of people saying, this is really awesome, you want to know what's the really awesome, right? Sure. So you see those people, it's like, funded in less than 30 minutes, funded in 17 seconds, you know, whatever. Funded in less than 24 hours. You know, they, they it, it's a thing. So when I say that, I, I feel like we'll use cars. So it funded in less than an hour. You know, I, I it's, but we, um, which honestly, we, it, the rate of when we decided we were going to do this Kickstarter, we decided about 14 days before we actually launched it. We were just like, do it. And then, and I, that was myself and Daniel Hadlock. I mean, that was our, our one project for like the next 14 days was just getting all the ducks in a row to make sure that we could, we could, we could roll it out, which I mean, I didn't know what to expect. I'm really pleased with what happened because we weren't able to really advertise it very much. We just kind of, you know, spread the word on social media as much as we could and just kind of let people, like, you know, let, let the grassroots campaign, people to get excited about it. And uh, like you said, yeah, and people responded really well. Uh, we're sitting at just under 90,000 right now, um, you know, so, you know, and we still got 15 days to go. And yeah, we're, we're pretty excited about it. And, um, you know, Belfort is one of those games that, uh, it's worker placement and area majority, uh, which is you know not normally two mechanisms in a board game that you normally find. Um, 
I still crank my copy out and play it, you know, every couple months or so. It's it's just uh, it's it's just one of those solid game designs that like one of the great things is, is everyone in my game groups played it multiple times. So nobody's got their nose stuck in the rules. Yeah. <laughs> and and three people sitting on their phones waiting for somebody to say what you do. But so like being able to like set every like there's nothing better, in my opinion. You when you put the game box on, on the table and one of your friends opens it up and the other two people are already like putting the game together. And oh, like man. You know, Yeah, it, it, you like you don't have to set up the game. You don't have to go through that the preamble. Okay, let's spend the next twenty minutes listening to me tell you how to play the game you know i um I, that being said i love being taught a game you know i just because i i so rarely get to actually be taught a game it seems like oh, i'm always teaching yeah i'm always teaching and, and to the point you know all my jerk friends that are going to listen to this podcast it's time <laughs> it's time that you step up because i'm tired man i'm tired of reading i can barely read as it is i'm practically illiterate it's so uh, <laughs> help me help you have fun well, well, I mean, which are you? Are you the person that owns all the games? I mean, is that is yeah. that one of those things? Yeah. yeah. See, do you ever feel? I mean, okay, owning all the games is kind of neat, you know, owning them, but also it's like this burden, you know. It's like, oh, you know, it's like I didn't realize I had to make sure that I had I brought the fun, you know. Yeah. I, um, it's a weird feeling. It is. But a then weird again, feeling. I would never get rid of my games, right? You know, I just it's. It is kind of odd. And then if I play a game that I really like that isn't mine, I'm just going to go get it anyway, you know, because I, I, I you can't count on, you know, Joe Blow being home so I can I can play his copy of, you know, whatever, you know, Gloomhaven or whatever he happens to have. So, but yeah, there you go. But if you want to check out Belfort, go check it out. Um, if, if you need the expansion, uh, if you just need the new expansion, there's a, there's a pledge level for that. If you missed out on the expansion expansion and you want like just that and the other new material, there's a pledge level for that. If you need the whole kit and caboodle, uh, there's a pledge level for that. So we try to make sure that we covered all our bases. So depending upon you know what people need, there, there's a there's a pledge level for you. That's awesome, man. Yeah, and if you want to uh, check out uh, how the game is played, be sure not to look at my video I did on Belfort about four years ago. I looked at that a little bit today, and uh, oh, it's cringy. Oh, I better add that to the to the Kickstarter. Yeah, I'll get you a couple of views or something. Uh, yeah, so. yeah. Smash that like button, as we like to say, <laughs> as the kids say. I always love that when you're like watching some, you know, that 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 any any YouTube video ever where it's like, make sure you hit the like and subscribe. I asked somebody once. I was like, I don't think I've ever said that in like any of my videos, and I wonder if I should have. You know, like. <laughs> no, I always wonder. I mean, should I? I mean, like, I mean, I guess it would be weird to turn over a new leaf now, but I mean. Right. You know? It's, it's different. I, I wouldn't, uh, I think I do it at the end. I always say, you know, if you like the video, please give us a thumbs up. Tell your friends about the channel. Just because, you know, I've been under 2K followers on Let's Level Up forever. Uh, I just can't seem to get at it. Probably because I'm so sporadic and when I put crap up. Uh, and I don't network ever, uh, which is a problem. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, what do you, what do you, I mean, but you create content just because you love to, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did a video like about a year ago now, and I just, it was one of those things where I'd, I'd heard from a lot of, I'd seen a lot of people like, you know, you get in those Facebook groups for content creators where they're like, oh, you know, it's like I made another video and only 88 people watched it. And like, and, and they're just kind of bemoaning yeah. this like, 
this 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 the fact that they're not getting the response that they're looking for and and that's fine i mean hey be upset about it but the thing is is that one i mean let's be honest like if i hadn't started making my videos when i did when like nobody was doing them i wouldn't have a third of of the following that i have now i i'm very lucky that i started when i did but the thing is is that i mean if what if what you're doing for you, I, mean, I I always ask content creators it's like, well, they come to me and it's like, what do you think I should do? And I'm like, well, what is it that you're looking to get out of this? I mean, are you looking for interaction? Then you get you need to give those people like something to to. I mean, you have to figure out a way to give like give away a free game. You know, get those people to talk to you, even if it's just even if they're just hitting the thumb up to just you know as a chance to to win something or whatever. Give them a reason to like you know start responding to you and and it's i don't know it's just like but i don't know i've always been of the belief that you got to just create what you got to create because you have fun because if you want to turn it into a job it's gonna it's not gonna be fun anymore and there's so few people that like um actually are able to turn it into a job i mean like obviously like there's 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 like the people like you know tom obviously in the dice tower or like the gold standard as far as like a uh, a group, but I mean, if if you look like, I mean, like Jeremy Salinas and David Waybright, like when Jeremy Jeremy like set the world on fire when he first started doing his Dragon Strike videos because um, they were like so over the top HD and and well produced that people were like they had never seen anything like it before, and then he kind of vanished for a while and didn't do anything, but I mean, I remember he was sending me pictures of like his studio that he was building in his basement. And he said, I'm going to come back and this is going to be my full-time job. I mean, that's what he decided to do. I mean, he quit a job that he worked at for years because he said, I'm going to, I'm going to make the best board game videos out there. And then, and so look at man versus people. I mean, those are two guys that just, they, they turn that into a career because why? Because they just went all in and that's their life. And so I don't know. I mean, it's like, it's really easy to get gloomy and despondent, but I always tell people it's like, like you went and talked to the camera for 45 minutes and talked about a game and 188 people watched it i mean that's that's pretty cool you know yeah, i mean that's really cool i mean 180 people 88 people who you will never see you'll never meet them but they clicked on a link and they were like i want to listen to what this guy has to say you know about you know gloomhaven or you know about or Tiu Tuatuan or whatever that new the new awesome game which is a really good game. If, 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 I'm just gonna, that's Teotihuacan? my Tiwakan. Yeah, sure. <laughs> what you said, but that that is a that is a stunningly good euro. But anyway, enough about me. Anyway, you got questions? Go ahead. I'm, yeah. Well, you know, uh, one of the things I always like to talk about on this when I've got somebody on the on the show for the first time is. You, kind of your origin into gaming and and i think we have pretty similar past that you were an rpg player dungeons and dragons player first right before you is that where you kind of cut your teeth on in the gaming world absolutely correct um i still remember the day i was i think i was i i, I was six years old and i was i was sitting in my my basement at my at my parents house and i was playing on my atari 2600 so i was it was like 1977 and I was sitting there playing, you know, Pitfall or something, or River Raid. And I was sitting there playing on my Atari. And my older brother, who, um, who I just, I've, 
I you know it's an older brother hero worship. I always I've always looked up to my brother, adored him. Um, he came home, you know, he's uh, he's he's five years older than I am. He came home from, you know, wherever he was doing whatever he was doing, and he came downstairs. He was watching me play the game, and we were then you know I lose, he'd play, I he lose, I'd play. We're kind of going back and forth, and then he started talking to me about this game that he played, and. I thought he was talking about a video game, but he was talking about how he was this this guy with a sword, and he went into this cave, and he was with some other people, and some guy fell in a pit trap, and they couldn't get him out, so they had to leave him, and they kind of ran into another room, and they found this magic sword, but they couldn't figure out how to grab it, and then they went to another room, and there was a dragon in there, and they couldn't fight it, so they ran away, and I was just like, what? cool video game is this? Is this like a Atari cartridge? Is it in a television? I mean, this has got to be in like the ColecoVision or something, right? You know, I was like just... And my brother says, no, it's it's a game called Dungeons and Dragons. And I was just like, I don't know what that game is. I have no idea. And he was trying to explain it to me. And I said, I need it. I, I, I need to own that game. <laughs> and I remember um, I told my mother about it. And she found, like, of all places the local J.C. Penney's um, had it in their catalog. Oh, wow. Yeah, this is back when you... And so she, like, called them up, told them to order it, and, like, six to eight weeks later, um, I had the... Uh, I had, like, that... Um, like, the, the Dungeon Master's Guide, the Player's Handbook, and the Monster Manual. My, my mother bought all three for, for me. I didn't have any dice. I didn't have a single die. And I remember the first time I played it, and I was trying to play it. Um, my friends and I, we we put, we we actually like put. Uh, we had six sided dice, obviously, because we took them for like Monopoly and stuff like that. But for everything else, we took um, we took scraps of paper and wrote like one on the scraps of paper. We put them in a hat and oh, we pulled sure. them out. Yeah, because that was how we did. And like, and then I found, and then like I picked up a Dragon magazine, and in the back of the Dragon magazine, there was an ad for you know you could buy. Um, you know, buy a geometric dice or something like that, and I have my mother send away for those. But I mean, that, then I, I remember I had I, these these really really awful, horrible greenish blue dice that were my first dice. I wish I still had them; they've been lost to the ages. But I remember getting those, and I was like, finally, I don't have to draw scraps of paper out of a baseball hat anymore. <laughs> but yeah, that that's that's kind of how I started playing tabletop. I mean, that's you know, awesome. Some, yeah, there were some there were some board games along the way. I mean, like I mean, I played a lot of Risk. You know, my brother got into playing Risk, and he would play that all night long with his buddies. And I started playing that. Um, you know, and then there was the standards that you'd have. Everybody had Clue. Everybody had um, you know. I mean, there was Monopoly, but I really played that. I mean, I can remember playing a game. There, there was like a few board games that were my my parents' board game. You know, remember everybody had like that cupboard that mm-hmm. had all the board games in it. Um, there was a game called, I think it was called Bonkers, where it was like, and this is where I think the programmable movement thing that I love so much comes from. It was a game where you had these little, uh, these little like pieces of paper, and they were little cardboard like tags almost, and they were kind of like your hand, and you'd roll a die, and you'd move your pawn to the spot on the board, and then you would put one of these tags down and then the tag would actually say move forward three move back two, you know move forward you know one you know all these different things that they could do 
and you were trying to land on these certain spots on the board that would allow you to score points. And so you would look and say, oh, do I have, I, I can use this one that moves me back three, which puts me onto the spot that moves me ahead five, which moves me ahead two, and then I get a score point. You know, so you, it, so you eventually, like the players, you, you, every spot on the board would have one of these tags on it. So I thought it was cool how, like, you'd roll a die, you'd end up, I'm moving back four, I'm moving ahead seven, I'm moving ahead three. You know, you'd bounce your guy back and forth. And that was like one of my favorite games when I was growing up. That in the game, um, Payday. If you remember that one, where it was like a. I don't think I played Payday. It was like it was a weird game where it was all about collecting money, like getting paid, and like and you rolled a die, and it was like the, the days of the month, and so you actually move your move your pawn through the days of the month, and like and and you'd get to certain spots. So, huh. um, yeah, I mean, like it was stuff like that that I played a lot of. But I mean, I think the first like really, like the game that maybe like the first board game before I actually played like. Real, real designer board games. The first game I ever saw, the board game I saw, I said, "Oh my gosh, I got to play that." I was looking through a Christmas catalog. For those of you who are uh, too young to know this, um, every year, <laughs> like you get the fall catalog, um, and and it was like you'd get one for J.C. Penney's, you get one for Sears, you get one for um, uh, Dayton's, you know, all these big department stores, and there would always be the toy section. And so I remember I would just flip through those like day every day. I like because you know, my my birthday is in December, so I would have both a birthday and a Christmas coming up, and I'd have all these. I make these exhaustive lists of all these toys <laughs> and write down the page. And it's D four on page three seventy six. You'll write the name out and hand those off to my mother. And um, but I remember Axis and Allies was mm-hmm. was was in there, and I was just like. I don't know what this is. I mean, it looked it was like Risk, but with tanks. And I was just like, I, I have to own that. And that was like, I remember, I, I mean, that was like one of like the best games I've ever owned, ever. I mean, we made variant rules for it. We, like, you know, we played we played so many games of that. And then then they had all those games that came out from that same family, like Fortress America. Um, Shogun, uh, uh, the, the, what was the pirate one? Broadsides and no, I forget what it's called. I don't know. Because there's one. It's it's actually two big ships, like two big plastic ships, and like and then you you actually have them like wage war, like and, I, and the thing is, is I actually have a copy because I went to the Dice Tower Con flea market and some guy had a complete copy for like forty bucks. So I was oh, like, sure, that's awesome. I've never played it. It just sits there. I was like, but I was like, are they the same ones that did castles and catapults? No, not castles and catapults. It's like, it's like broadsides and boarding parties. That's what it was called. Okay. Now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah. So I remember I still have my original Shogun. I still have my original Fortress America. I still have my original Axis and Allies. And then I found broadsides and boarding parties. And I was just like, yes. And there was one other one, which was, it was, um, it was like a Rome-based one, but it came out later, and I don't really consider that as part of the family. But mostly because I can't track down a copy, so I'm I'm just I'm gonna be you know sour grapes that one. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you may get it. Who knows? Well, no, eventually maybe yeah. maybe it'll it'll turn one up for me. But yeah, that's where I'm sitting there. Oh, that's so awesome, man! It's it's crazy because yeah, you know you're you're a 
just just a little over a decade older than I am. You're you're my older brother Matt's age, I believe. Mm. Um, I'm 46, so you, you, whatever your brother is, you yeah, know, you tell me. Yeah, yeah, he was born in '71. Uh, Sam, damn it, yeah. that, may, that may have been my other brother that I'm thinking of. Anyway, um, him and my brother Joel used to play Dungeons & Dragons all the time. It's, it's what they did. And I remember being about six or seven and getting in my first game of first edition. And then um, shortly after the switch to second or Advances in Dragons second edition, um, and, uh, man, I was hooked. I loved, I loved everything about that game. And we just would... Every weekend, every night, we talking about adventures. I mean, we had this homebrewed campaign, and then we um, we are able to finally buy some of the Forgotten Realms supplement books and some of that stuff, and be able to, uh, you know, journey alongside all you know Salvatore's world and Greenwood's world that they created. Yeah, and, uh, man, it was it was incredible. And everybody, if, when I got to to Texas, I taught. As many people as I thought I could how to play the game, and then uh, since they, I mean they've taught I mean hundreds of people, um, so it's cool to like bring that hobby to a little part of Texas that it didn't really exist in. Um, but it's it's awesome that you have that. And in fact, I remember whenever you did the video for Welps to Worms, which is a little game I designed a few years ago um, that was published on or is still being published by Lamplight Games. Um, and I don't know if you even remember the video now. It's been it's been a while. Uh, I remember sure. the game. I, I definitely remember the game. Yeah, you had you had mentioned something like that. this. Reminds me of um, uh, the Council of the Worms and, and being a dragon, and being able to do that, and how all that was, which was one of my main motivations when I wanted to do something that you could level in. I was like, well, I love dragons. Council of the Worms is freaking sick. And what if we did that? What if you're a dragon? You got to experience the game that way. And uh, whenever you started connecting it and started talking about you know your story about playing D and D and stuff, I was like, ah, oh, he gets it. That's that's what I was going for. Uh, and that was that was super super cool um, because I I don't I didn't talk to you at all about that. I don't I don't think uh, I think that was all Mike uh, at Lamplight that that organized you to um, or asked you to do the preview or whatever for the Kickstarter. And it was it was just cool to. Uh, to see something like completely blind, uh, understand that, you know, as a designer, it was awesome. No, I mean, it's, I mean, yeah, I, I totally, like I said, I totally remember the game. I mean, it's, uh, you know, I, it's, it's one of those things where, um, I, I know I have a, like, I always thought like, okay, you know, it's like everybody's got their own unique story about how they got into like gaming and how they like gaming and all those things. But I also know that like, the same kind of stories seem to crop up, you know, at the same yeah. time. It's like, it's, it's, it the, the game, the name of the game changes a little bit. The, you know, the, 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 the situation changes a little bit, but it's always kind of like, just like, yeah. So I just had my eyes kind of wide open. I, when I think about D and D and just how, like, I mean, how readily, because before D and D, now when you talk about role playing games, everybody's just like, yeah, it's a role playing game. But at that time, it just wasn't a real thing. I mean, it was like you, there was people playing miniatures wargaming, you know, and, and they were, they were playing stuff like that, but it was like the idea that you would, you know, this is, we're going to tell a story about having this person go into this, this, this cave and, and, and fight these things in this cave. And, and the idea that like that, 
mean, because, you know, I read, like, The Hobbit, or, mm-hmm. like, but maybe I know, at that point, I don't think I had. I think my dad handed me out The Hobbit, and he's like, when he heard me talking about D&D, he was like, you know, you really should read this book. And, like, you know, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I didn't know this existed, that kind of thing. <laughs> but, I mean, but I remember thinking that, like, you know, when I look back, it was like, how did we how did you buy into it so much? I mean, it was like, I, I always wonder, it's like, and how did they come up with the idea to just create it? Really? I mean, like when you think about it, it's, it's such an off the wall uh, situation and, and an off the wall uh, idea. Yeah. I, I think sure. it's just, it's, it's just kind of neat that like it exists now. And you think about those giants, you know, Dave Arneson and Gary Gygax and, and like the other, other the other ones as well. Like um, you know, there's there's so many. You know, Jim Ward is one who I, who I, I'm lucky enough to know. I, I missed out on actually ever you know meeting Gary Gygax or Dave Arneson, which you know would be, which it, which stinks because Dave Arneson has like well a, a, a huge amount of connection with uh, the Minneapolis St. Paul area, which is in Minnesota, where you know and it's it's relatively close to me. Which you know, I mean, there was there there definitely was a. A, a, a chance that I could have, you know, at least you know talked to the man and shook his hand. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, you know my kids love playing D and D, and I think I think that's what it is for kids. I think it, I think it is like the the imagination, the like the idea that I'm because the, they buy into it more readily than an adult will. You know, the idea of like yes, I am this person and I am walking down this hallway in this in this dungeon. I mean, they they I think are able to let go of that like that that weird adult mentality where you yeah. can't like let yourself be a goof for a while. Yeah, it's crazy. And I and I wish I wish more adults wouldn't let that happen. I know I I am so damn silly most of the time. Uh and just 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 an idiot. It's <laughs> what as I can be. Um and I and I I think it keeps me calm in stressful situations just kind of you know, being tranquilo and, uh, you know, kind of going with the flow. But, man, there's nothing I enjoy more than playing pretend with my kids. And uh, Regan actually just rolled. His, it's his second D&D character, but we're actually going to be doing some games. Uh, so he and I are going to be starting to do some stuff, and I'm super excited. Uh, he's nine, so he's a little later than I was, but it. I think – now it's to the point where a couple years ago I'd say, hey, what do you want to – let's try this. Look at this book with me, and, and what do you think about this, and what could you do here? And he'd be like, ah, no, let me just play Fortnite, you know, and he wouldn't really care. But now he's super into this whole idea of of creating this world and telling these stories, and um, I think I owe D&D a lot when it comes to my imagination and uh, keeping me um, uh, not only grounded but, you know, feeling young at heart. Uh, I think it's yeah. just an awesome tool for that. I mean, for me, it's like I find myself when my my D and D group, and, and once again, these are these are fellows that you know I've known you know for decades. When the Saturday night D and D night starts getting closer, and I know I'm going to be driving over to my buddy Andy's house at five, and I know I'm going to be there until midnight playing D and D, like I find myself getting excited you know yeah. i'm just like ah yeah this is this is you know i'm gonna i'm gonna sit down uh you know in the, the in the the adventure we're running right now i have this uh i have this 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 bard 
and and he's like the only remaining living character from the beginning of a campaign. Like oh, everybody wow. else has died off. <laughs> so awesome. my yeah my 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 bard Connor Dillon, which I, they're like, why'd you name him that? I was like, I wanted to take two of the like the most beautiful boy names I could, and just put them together. And he's just like, you know, and he's he's got a seventeen charisma, and nothing else is higher than a twelve. And he, he just he gets by on luck and charm and running away a lot. Awesome. And, I've, and I've never had more fun <laughs> playing a character ever, you know. And and he, um, yeah, it's just like, uh, you know, it's like, and I've even like he's 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 he started off being very meek and everything like that, but like he's slowly grown as. And see, the, I, I talk to him like he's alive, you know. It's like he's he's yeah. grown. He's got a little more bravado now. He's he's definitely like. Kind of buys into his own hype that he that he's created for himself. You know, he uh, he definitely um, like he, there was this moment where where like uh, uh, there was a battle. Like the, the last remaining uh, person from the beginning of the campaign, this this dwarf who never really liked him, um, he died in this battle. That we actually we saved this like high priestess slash queen person. This like and 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 brought her and brought her back to safety. And um and but she had been like we had this big battle while she escaped so she wasn't there to see it, and then she asked me to sing a song about about the battle and so like everybody else was dead so I sang a song about how the dwarf had wanted to run and he was turning into a coward but but I <laughs> but I bravely spurred him forward and he died gloriously on the battle even you know he didn't die a coward's death and my buddy Craig's just shaking his head he's just like oh you done me wrong he's just like. <laughs> <laughs> but I, but of course it, it just it made Connor Dillon's like story that much more glorious and huge and wonderful, yeah. I mean and like and I I, I like I don't want him to die. I just I, he's like he's come close so many times. I'm like no, I can't let him die. If if he dies, it has to be something just absolutely glorious. So his his name will continue to live on. But that's what D and D is though. I mean it's like you create those stories and those moments. I mean we reference things that happened in in D &D games like when we were 12 and we still laugh about them like like we did too yeah we did too it's crazy like you remember that time when you did this it's like oh i didn't actually do that it was my character uh that did that and um yeah i remember that and gosh you remember when you and then i'll turn it over out of them like yeah and then you did it this way and it's just it's just really cool it is crazy how those stories and um something i kind of uh I, i give um, like people who get like super into TV shows, uh, and you know get attached to characters when they die and stuff like that. I'm like, oh come on, it's just a TV show. And then I remember just bawling my eyes out when I was a kid when my favorite D D character died. I'm like, oh no, I get it. I'm just attached to a different kind of thing than you are, so it makes sense. We're the same but different. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's just um, the coolest thing I think about about Dungeons and Dragons uh, and any role playing game. For that matter, and I and I wrote an essay about this a long time ago, and I, I and and I, I posted it somewhere. It's been lost to whatever, um, but it's such an amazing, weird contract that you have, especially if you're running a campaign. So, like, if you have a, a dungeon master who said, oh, "I'm going to come up with this giant campaign, and and he, I'm going to write this this big long story about how you know this is going to run," and and like that that. Dungeon Master has a plot. He has a beginning, a middle, and an end. He has something that he wants um, everybody to experience, right? And so there's this weird contract between him and or her and the players that will you're trying to 
tell this story. The dungeon master or the game master wants that story to be told. I mean, they have like this epic story. They want it to be told. But he has they have to apply friction to so he doesn't just give you the end, right? So you apply this friction to the the storyline and the people have to get past that friction, those traps, the that mystery, the monsters. But ultimately he or she wants you to win. They want you to get to the end. They want you to find out who the big bad is. They want you to find out the big reveal. But you willingly suspend, like, and, and you and you think that there's a chance you'll fail. But weirdly, you're not. I mean, if you think about it long enough, it's like, yeah, it's it's like when you're watching, um, like you're watching the 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 the, the, the most recent Mission Impossible movie or whatever. And and like you're supposed to get all worried that that uh, Tom Cruise is going to die, and you're like, wait, no, I mean Tom <laughs> Cruise isn't going to die. <laughs> he's, he's, you know, I don't I don't care if he is on the edge of this cliff, hanging on by one fingernail, while while the, the crocodiles are snapping at his at his at his heels. He's he's going to get out of this. Same thing with James Bond. Same thing with Indiana Jones. I mean, you're supposed to be like, oh my gosh, this is really terrifying. And wait a minute, no, you know, but right. we somehow do that for D&D, where we're like, oh, you know, because it, it's like, oh, because the players want to get to the next chapter. They want to see what happens, and they want to know exactly, you know, like, you know, like what's what's the next big cool moment that we're going to experience? And and, and the Dungeon Master is like, yeah, I want to really, I, I spent a lot of time <laughs> making this next cool moment. I want you to get to that. And, um, yeah, so it's just, I, I, I just find that, and, and we do that constantly with all these role-playing games that uh, that people play, where we just we just accept the fact that that's the case. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Yeah. Um, switching subjects just a bit here, because <laughs> uh, I think you and I could probably talk Dungeons and Dragons and role-playing games for the rest of the night. Yeah, um, we could probably talk about this. I think if, if what your next topic is, we could probably talk another rest of the night on this as well. But go ahead. <laughs> Well, actually, let's save that uh, because I don't want to keep you too long. Um, no, you're uh, okay. You're okay. Just go ahead. I, I was just, one quick side note before we go into it because I would do myself a disservice. Uh, following you on social media, it's clear that you are a big fan of Mr. Norm MacDonald, who is my all-time favorite stand-up comedian. Uh, he is. He is the best. He is the absolute best. Um, I heard what I heard one. Uh, I heard one. What was it? He's like, I wanted to. Um, like, he's like, he's like, I, I, I. What did he say? I he's like, I wanted, I wanted to learn about new music, so I picked up a book about hip hop, but it turned, but it turned out to just be the seventeenth uh, book in a really long dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! <laughs> just like. Ah, I was just like, I was like, wait, oh, I get it. Yeah. Did no. you read his book? It is. I mean, it's, it's, it's weird because it's, it's like almost scatterbrained, you know, yes. because it's, it's, um, uh, what is it like memoirs of a almost real life or something like that uh-huh. or, or what it's called, but because he, it's, there's definitely like completely made up junk, but For he's sure. also telling like the, the story about how he got his job with, uh, um, 
uh, on Saturday Night Live by by giving uh, uh, what's his face the the guy who runs it like giving him a bunch of heroin or whatever, <laughs> you know whatever. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I loved his his like two three pages he did on Rodney Dangerfield and how upset he was that no one ever gave him the respect that he deserved. Like just those little <laughs> like I can't believe that no one would ever treat him the way he deserves. He's a human being. Like oh man, no I I, I always love when you when you post this stuff because um I, I, there's there's nobody I enjoy listening to more than him. And uh, he is he's so I mean it's like he. My wife doesn't get it. Like I'm like, you know, she's just like, I don't. Why is he so funny? I was like, it's 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 the combination of both the delivery, and like he's also got that weird thing of it's like, if you don't laugh, I don't care because it's funny to me, right? You know, and and he, and he just sells it. And and I'm the new show on Netflix. I watched them all. There were hits, and misses. There are mm-hmm. definitely ones that are better than the others. Um, but uh. I'm really annoyed that you can't watch the old YouTube ones. I know. Like, I love those, man. Because that was like background noise for me. I would just sit there and while I was working, I would just listen to those YouTube ones. Um, and like, and he had like really super good ones that were like long and like full of um, uh, when, God, I can't remember the, the, um, uh, I can't remember the name of the guy, the, 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 the one British guy that was on there. He was, he played, uh, he like played Caliban and the Ricky Gervais's friend. What is his name? Stephen Merchant. Uh, Stephen Merchant. Yeah. And they were talking about um, the the that horrible uh, like pedophile guy that was in Britain or whatever. Oh, Albert and then, and then, Yeah, and then and he's just like, I mean, it wasn't even a McDonald's joke, but I just Stephen Merchant's response was so perfect. He's like, well, who's? I mean, who who really can say he was a bad man? He's like, oh, I'll I'll, I'll say it. <laughs> <laughs> I, re- I remember when he's going uh when he's talking about 420 at, at the beginning of one of the episodes with 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 adam egot and he goes oh it's also the birth date of austrian-born dictator uh adolf hitler he did this and did this and oh, it sounds like he's a pretty decent well hold the fort he hates the <laughs> jesus <laughs> and then uh yeah. my favorite line from the whole from that whole little bit was when he goes uh, I think we should go back in time and kill Hitler. And yeah. Adam goes, "Oh, he's he died in the forties. Like he's like, oh, I didn't even know he was sick. Like just, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh man. No, he is he is without a doubt. Like just he's he's um, uh, you know he he's got such a, a great way of well, and and just the dryness of like his dirty Johnny jokes. How dry he'd be with those dirty Johnny jokes with this like. The whole thing. Oh, you know, thank God for the dairy. <laughs> just like that. Just like it wasn't for the dairy. Yeah, you know, those little those little quips that he that he add to like the long jokes that didn't have, make any sense. And of course, the moth joke, which I've told. I love the moth joke. The yeah. moth joke is so good. I've told that joke, you know, and like I try to do it justice. Obviously, I can't tell it as good as Norm, but just like sounds like you need you need a psychiatrist. What are you doing here? Well, he left the light on. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, I did. Uh, I actually told that joke to my new coworkers whenever I got to meet them in New Orleans uh, last month, and uh, it, it killed. I mean, it's just it, it's perfect, and uh, he. I love that man. Uh, I, I wish him nothing but the most success. Because if anyone in Hollywood, I would. I mean, I could. I could hear him watch or read the phone book and just die laughing somehow. Well, it's just there's something about him that like he can. You can tell he's extremely quick-witted, and he also 
like he def he's the master of always leave him wanting more. Mm-hmm. Like like the whole thing when like he picks up the thing and he's got a joke, he's like, nah, that's not good. Yeah, and I'm always like, no, no, I want to re- I want to hear all the jokes, you know. But he knows, he knows that if he like tells all of them, you know, just like I love the joke that that forced David Letterman to leave. You know, it's like I'm not a fan of what is it? He's like a I I'm not a fan, a fan of fancy things. I don't like fancy schmancy things. <laughs> I'm not even a fan of fancy schmancy wancy hancy wancy things. But I am a fan of wasting your time and mine. <laughs> Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> you know, he is um he is he is a he's a gem. And like and 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 comedians like he's a, like they call a comedian's comedian. I hear that all the time. Like yeah. like other comedians like go out and to to watch his set. Yeah. You know, I, I they, call myself a comedian because I enjoy him so much and I've heard that expression so many times. So if I like it this much then I've got to be a comedian then, I guess. I don't know. Well, yeah. I mean, he's not for everybody. And like I said, I like I have people, and they're like, I don't know why is this guy funny. I'm just like, oh, just <laughs> what was the one? I like the one where it's like, there's nothing more fun than being the head of a raucous Congo line, unless you turn around and realize you're not the head of a Congo line. You're still in the insane asylum. <laughs> Yeah, if you guys really want, uh, you can watch the show on Netflix, but his stand-up specials are on Spotify. Uh, Me doing stand-up is one of the best comedy albums ever, I think. And uh, check out check out his little bit on the roast of Bob Saget, um, where he yes. where he just eviscerates the dais in a way that really isn't that bad. Like, but it's just his little bit on Greg Giraldo, uh, rest in peace. Yeah, uh, is, a very is one funny of my man, favorites. but in, in a totally different way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, well, on to the next subject because Norm is another guy I could talk about probably all day with you. Um, I would love to meet him. That's like I'm I very too. rarely, I'm very rarely somebody that's like, oh, I need to like meet this celebrity or that celebrity. But like Norm would be one that I'm just like, yeah, that would be even if it was like thirty seconds and. And he was just really kind of awkward because I have you ever seen like his his like his his man on the street like somebody surprises him type of interviews and he's just kind of weirdly like off. Like I saw him once like the, he was like in some poker tournament and they and somebody just came uh, up and yeah. was like, "Oh hey you know po-, you know," and he's like, "How's how's the, the, the treating you or whatever?" And, and he's like, "Oh it went okay." And he was just like wasn't trying to be funny. He was just like, "Oh yeah I've been having fun. I was in this table with this guy and." But it wasn't didn't feel like Norm, you know. It was like he just wasn't like set up for it or whatever. Did you ever read the thing? I'm sorry, we're gonna end up talking about it. But the one other anecdote I loved about him was that I was reading about him. He used to. I was watching this interview. I think he was on Howard Stern, and he was talking about how, like, the best thing he said about being on SNL was after they got done. Like towards the end, he said they would almost never have me on any of the other skits. I just did the weekend update. That was what I did. So I only, I knew exactly what I had to do. I wasn't expect nothing else was expected out of me. I would go there and I'd do that. So he said after it was done, there was always a big party afterwards. And Lorne, to make sure that nobody got in trouble, provided cars for everybody. They were like, yeah, so like if you everybody had a car and, and they drive you to wherever you needed to go and they get you home and safe. So he would duck out immediately, go to his car, 
and tell the guy drive me to Atlantic City, and he and he, and he so he'd get a free ride to Atlantic City, and he would go and he would drink and he would gamble, like all night long, until like you know like eight o'clock in the morning, and then he'd come back out, and the guy would still have to, because he had he was he was hired for like you know for whatever. Okay, drive me home, because he doesn't drive, he doesn't have a car, and but he was like he's like that was the best thing about working at SNL because every Saturday night I got a free I got a free ride to Atlantic City. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> And if you ever if you ever find um, the thing about uh, Jim Brewer does a thing where he's when he was on the oh where, yeah with Chris Kattan where he destroyed Chris Kattan yeah and uh, <laughs> yes that's that's also worth to listen to if somebody wants to go even if it is Jim Brewer who I'm not a big fan of as far as like comedians go but you can the story that he's got um, it definitely makes me like it makes me giggle but yeah, anyway same. Same for sure. And Jay Moore, Jay Moore, I think has said some really good Norm stories too. Uh, he's another one of those comedians like ah, I could take him or leave him. Um, but any anytime someone's talking about Norm, I'm, I'm I'm all ears. And they all love him, right? Yeah, they're all just like, yeah, he's the best. But all right, so what let's, are we talking about? Let's talk about one of my favorite things. Probably my, if we had to rate my interests right now. Outside of family, right? Because that's a right. If I don't say family's number one, even though it may be a lie, because Norm's number one. Mm. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, but that's um, gaming, and then pro wrestling are are my top two. I I love pro wrestling, and I think you do as well. We talk about it's it hard, all the time it's, online. It's hard not to like pro wrestling. Um, weirdly, I got out of it for like the longest time. I like didn't I just. When did you stop? Okay, so, you know, not to be a long, another long story, but um, so, like, as a kid, I watched it all the time. You know, I just, I thought it was cool. I thought it was interesting. My dad kind of half watched it. Um, my parents got divorced when I was really, really young. And um, so, uh, like, when I was four years old. So when I was, I'd spend the weekends with my dad. I'd go to, I'd go to his uh, house and we'd watch TV and I'd watch wrestling. And I'd watch Saturday, because after you watch Saturday morning cartoons, then wrestling was on. And so I'd watch wrestling. And I still remember, like, I don't know what it was. The, you know, Hogan had a big match the next day or something like that. And um, he got jumped by the natural disasters. And both Earthquake and Typhoon, like, took terms took turns like uh uh like uh you know body smashing him in the in the in the, in the corner like oh they were they were like whipping whipping him into hogan they just did, did it over and over again so much so that they had to call an ambulance and they they put him in and he had a big match the next night against somebody you know somebody else in in bobby heenan's stable for the world championship yeah he had to put it on the line and i was just like oh my gosh you know this is this is the, this is the moment that i knew it wasn't real i was just like i said What's, oh my gosh! I was like, he, Dad, he's not going to be able to wrestle. He's going to have to give up the title. And he, and my dad looked at me, you know, and he, as he like, you know, peeled the, the, the top off another Coors, and he said, right now he's having one of those, one of these, right now in the back of that ambulance. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, what? And then my my dad let me know that it was it was a staged uh, situation or whatever. So, um, but it didn't, it, but it didn't diminish my, my love for it. You know, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was cool, but once I got into high school, I was kind of like, eh, it, it just didn't have the time for it or whatever. But what I got back into it was when most people got back into it was when the Monday night wars were going on mm-hmm. when, you know, it was, 
you know, the Attitude Era, you know, and NWO. And I was firmly a WCW guy. I mean, I just, I, I was like, because it had all the, all the guys I grew up watching wrestling, plus all these, like, cool younger guys. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I've always been a big mark for Raven. Um, I, was oh. big, I was a big mark for the flock, even though they just didn't do anything with them. I you know, that it. was annoying. That was my staple. Oh, they were, I mean, if you listen, Raven is like a member of Mensa. Like he's like, uh, like Scott Levy. Um, yeah. like if, if you ever, if you listen to his interviews, which I'm sure you have, like he talks about how, like, like when they picked that stable for him, like he's like the only guy, like the only guy he wanted was Kidman. Like the rest of them were just like, he wanted Kidman just, and a big guy. He wanted it to be a three man stable, right? Yeah, he, yeah. He, so and then and then they, they wanted to give him Ron Reese and he's like he said nothing against Ron Reese but I mean he said the guy was big and nothing else you know so I mean he said you know he didn't really like Saturn he said but he was strong and and he, and he you could you could you could fight you could have him in there with him you know but then he realized that Saturn was kind of a head case and and so that didn't help out much but he said like he didn't want because um, they gave him Sick Boy and uh, who is that one guy. Yeah, the Lodi, which he never. Do you ever notice he never wrestled? Never. He just came up he with just the came sign. signs. Yeah, he just came up with the signs, and then and then um, there was that other guy. Uh, they had the eye patch. Riggs. Riggs. That's who was. He was like the the Hollywood blondes or something like that, or something like that. He was in some weird like. Um, was Stone glam. Cold? What was Stone Cold one of the Hollywood blondes? I don't know. I, like Scotty Riggs was in some sort of like group that like was like um man he was in a tag team that was all they were supposed to be like you know pretty boys or whatever and with and they had van hammer for a while too right yeah yeah they did yeah i mean and so like out of all those guys like saturn could wrestle obviously kidman could wrestle and 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 raven could but the rest of them were just stiffs i mean they were just guys you know you know rammed up on steroids and 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 whatever and they were just and they they couldn't but i mean it was um it was a good group you know when he when he tagged up with vampiro for a while towards the end for when they did the deadpool yeah yeah that was that was a good little group i i really enjoyed that i i loved uh Ra- i loved raven back in ecw whenever he uh, i started watching uh wcw I think it was the first one I ever watched. I didn't. I didn't really like the WWF at the time. I didn't. I didn't think. I didn't see what all the, what what was all about. I didn't really care for it. Uh, so I started watching WCW, and then I got turned on to ECW by a friend, and uh, fell in love with Raven and uh, the Nest. Right, uh, the little ECW yeah. stable he had for a bit with with Stevie Richards, and just how he would just mentally, mentally and physically abuse Stevie all the time, and then be like, "Ah, oh, it's not my fault. It's my dad. You don't understand." Like. He was never there. He didn't care. And I was like, hey, I never had a dad, you know. Uh, this is awesome. I can get into this. Yeah. And then the, the, yeah. the whole hero story of Tommy Dreamer I thought was incredible. And um, when he jumped over to WCW, he was like, oh, here we go. This is going to be – this is it. He's going to be world champion. And it's going to be amazing. And um, I'll never forget the feud. I don't know if it was his first big one or not, but the feud with DDP uh, and, and the flock – and he wins. He wins the was it the television title or the United yeah, States? Yeah, no, the U.S. United States title. And then he drops it the next day. The next day, to Bill Goldberg, and that was the last time he touched gold in WCW. And, it was just ridiculous. I remember uh, he, um, DDP was on an interview on MTV, 
and Raven came out and and hit him over the head with a stop sign. That was that was like the uh, it was like some weird like little, and then and then like knocked him out and then took the belt and that was like and DDP was like oh you know I want my belt back and like well come here and get it you know that was like the 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 impetus of that but yeah got the got the US title and then I'm a big mark for DDP too. I like DDP. I, li- I love his stories, man. I love him as a human being, what he's doing right now. He actually is, I don't know if you saw, but with DDP Yoga, Raven just enlisted. He's actually living at the house right now, I think, and is, is working to try to, he's got a lot of shoulder problems and a lot of back problems that they're trying to work out. And, uh, and then I think also to help with his mental health, DDP is working with him personally. And hopefully that it'd be great to see him, to me, he's a Hall of Famer. Um, in my eyes, I thought he was so cool, and he's like a what, like a thirty-eight time Hardcore Champion in in WWF yeah. uh, or something silly. But um, I mean, it's just uh, he's a legend, and I would love to see him uh, be part of the sport in more of the mainstream capacity. Still, I, if he I, wants to, to this day, DDP had the best match with Goldberg ever. Like the best best match Goldberg's ever had was with DDP. You don't mean Lesnar's? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> Which was No, I mean like if you go back and watch that that DDP Goldberg match, um a like when when he when DDP reverses the uh the 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 the, the, the jackhammer uh-huh. into the diamond into the cutter. Car- yeah. I mean, it, when you watch the crowd, I mean, they it's like it's like somebody just electrocuted the crowd. I mean, everybody's on their feet. Like, oh no way, you know, because like nobody got nobody kicked out of the diamond cutter, ever, and they and they were just like, oh, it's over. You know, it's like the the streak is over. He's losing, you know. And and if you ever listen to the interview with DDP, he says that like he was super mad at Bill because he he the 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 idea was is that the, he was going to do the reverse. He was going to give him the diamond cutter. But he was going to be so wiped out that they were going to wait like three, four seconds before he barely crawls over and drapes his arm over Bill. And then it was, and Bill was supposed to kick out like two point nine, you know, like like he still almost got him, but like he, it was like the the nearest of the near falls. But Bill kicked out on one. He was like <laughs> one, and then he kicked out. And so afterwards, he was like you know, what the hell, Bill? You know, it's like you made my you you made my finisher look weak, you know, this, that, and the other thing. And um so there's a there's a planned spot where Bill was gonna miss Goldberg is gonna miss the spear and and then like you know hit his shoulder on on the on the on the, on the turnbuckle or whatever, like they, they always do. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then and he was gonna miss it. And then and then he was gonna hit him with the spear and then jackhammer. Well, Bill was like, I don't want to miss the spear. And I, I I never miss the spear. And then and so DDP convinced him to do it. And so and so because Goldberg thought it would make him look weak, you know. And he, you know, because that's what wrestlers are. They're always trying to protect, you know, they protect their mystique. They never want to lose right. any ground or whatever. So he convinces him to do it. He misses it. And then and and uh, DDP was like, I knew. The next spear he gave, the one that he was going to, he said, "I knew he was just going to hit me as hard as he could, because <laughs> he wanted it to just be like the spear to end all spears." So he said, "When I did that, he said, I just, I became paper. I mean, I just, I, I didn't, I didn't try to, um, I didn't try to brace for anything. I just let him just take me down so it wouldn't hurt me." And what happened was Goldberg, the first thing that hits, and you can see it in the thing, the first thing that hits the mat is the top of Goldberg's head. Oh. 
And and he said he said Diamond, I don't remember anything about the match. Like he doesn't he doesn't like after that like he 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 knocked him basically walking around knocked out. Oh, he finished man. the match and like just and didn't even realize it. He got back. He's like I don't. I'm sorry. I don't remember anything. You know he like he just yeah. But, so it's so if you ever want to watch a, a match, just remember that like unless he was lying, I don't think Bill would. But I mean. Um, you know, he, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't all there, if you will. So yeah, he, had, uh, whenever he came back for his last little run in the WWE now, um, there was, he, he had knocked himself silly doing the, the headbutt on the, on the lockers or on the door or yeah. whatever, and, uh, which was a little, a little gimmick he used to do back in WCW and he was concussed or something. He, he wouldn't speak right. Like he when he got the microphone and like, you could tell he was still like, he was sh- visibly shaking out the cobwebs uh, because he hurt himself on that thing. And I think they told him backstage, like, yeah, you don't do that anymore. Like, yeah, you can't, well, yeah, you, you don't have to headbutt it. Yeah. They don't, they can't see you just hit with your fist. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, I remember in the goal, like in the WCW, he'd do it and he'd come out and the top of his head would be, would bleeding. be bleeding. Yeah. Yeah, it would. Uh, but he was also way younger and uh, probably a bit more, uh, his, his constitution score is probably a, a bit higher still. No, yeah, I agree. <laughs> no, I I'll, I'll say this, you know, and and I this I feel bad for people listening who don't watch wrestling, so they have no idea what we're talking about. But when he came back, and I was just like, how are they going to have him fight Lesnar? And they and they had him squash Lesnar the first time. Yeah. I mean, I remember like, are you kidding me? I was like, is this really happening? Like, I couldn't believe it. I was just like. What what's going on? You know, I mean, just like, and I was like, and it was brilliant, right? I mean, they 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 got the belt off Lesnar for a bit, and then and they got people talking, whether you liked it or not, you were talking about it. It so. was that was cool. That was exciting. My my only problem is I'm a huge Kevin Owens fan, so oh. uh, in comes Bill Goldberg and squashes Owens. Uh, to win the Universal Championship, and I'm just having flashbacks to Raven, but 15, 16 years before that, like this son of a bitch is going to come in and take the belt off of everyone I love. I I don't like him. And... Yeah, Kevin Owens is is so misused, but he, you know he, right now he's just cashing checks. He doesn't even care. And he signed that five year deal with WWE, and he's just like whatever. I'll just do whatever. I don't yeah. care. Yeah, he's taking. I think he's. I think he's doing. I think he's having fun still. His little his little bit Monday. I don't know if you saw it or not. If you guys um, are still listening and haven't tuned away yet, look up Kevin Owens and Elias um, in Seattle from last Monday night. Oh Raw. my god! They, I mean, they literally got booed out of the building. That was like nuclear level heat. Incredible. If, if 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 that crowd could like have booed them. Like into like 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 boom them dead booed them dead they they would have yeah it's just like oh this is oh well you know Oklahoma City is a pretty good town I hear yeah. you know just like <laughs> oh <laughs> they they uh, wanted blood and they wanted it now they were not gonna wait so oh man so who are your um who are some of your favorites right now do you have anybody that you really really enjoy every time they get out there. Well, I mean, I mean, let's just, I'm not going to like be lame and go to New Japan. So, I mean, we'll just, I mean, because New Japan's got like two or three guys that I just, I, I if I hear they're going to have a match, like, I mean, you have to, you have to tune in for a Kenny Omega match. Yeah. It's he's incredible. Yeah. You got to, I mean, for me, evil. I love evil over mm-hmm. in, uh, I mean, he's, he's, he's like 
ridiculously good. I mean, but but I, I I'm 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 gonna stay away from New Japan just because it's it's so, you know, it, it's it's so like wrestler fan elite to be like, oh well, in New Japan, blah, you know. Yeah. So I, I don't <laughs> watch WWE. Yeah, I got no, a lot of people that. Yeah. I, and I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna go NXT because if you go NXT, then you just say Champa, and then that's that's. I mean, he's just. I mean, you know, and 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 Velveteen. I mean, I mean those guys. Oh, Ricochet too. Well, Ricochet, but I mean, Ricochet was good before he got there. But I mean, yeah. I mean, Velveteen is is so so good. I mean, <laughs> I can't. Yeah, not to interrupt you, but I can't believe that's because I watched that season of Tough Enough. Uh, or whatever the heck that show's called, um, that Patrick was a contestant on. He didn't make it to the end. They got that big guy who they cut. Um, he's not even with the company anymore. And I remember seeing Patrick and thinking, oh, you know, he could be a hoss probably and be a, a good Southern character. I, I never saw him playing anything as enigmatic as the Velveteen Dream. And, uh, man, he has he has come through and, and, and just absolutely created a character that I think will – will really stand the test of time it's like part gold dust part rick rude um part gorgeous george and all sass and awesome and the crap that he does to his body in those matches man is is just phenomenal yeah i mean he's just and, and he's that he's a tweener right i mean like he is he face is he a heel you know he he'll fight anybody you know yeah. just like he's he's definitely I, I can't wait till they they ruin his character in in uh in the big leagues um <laughs> Which I mean, and the same goes for Champa. I mean, Champa is like he's such a good heel. I mean, he's so he's so good. He's just he's like, and he's got he's got the look. He's got he's got like he, the the whole thing. I'm playing the mind games, you know, mm-hmm. just messing with people. I mean, he's so good. So getting like, in an so old lady's face and screaming at her, like yeah, <laughs> you know. I mean, it's just yeah. So, so we can't go NXT. So if we're going to go straight WWE, who do I like? I mean, who who will I tune in to watch? I'll tune in to watch Rusev, even though now I'm bored. I'm just like, because they've just, they've made him bored. I mean, you know, I realize you can't split him away from his wife because it's, well, his wife, right? right? Right. So, you know, you can't break him up. But I mean, they should have just left him and Aiden together and have him be just a wrestling tag team champions. I mean, they were a perfect like tag team, you know? And, and, and when they finally had that, like that one match, like to determine like the number one contender against, like, I think it was the new day. And like, and you saw that like, you know, Rusev was hurt. So Aiden had to give the, uh, um, well, what would be the Steiner recliner or the camel clutch uh-huh. or, or, or the accolade when he had to do it himself to, to give it to, I mean, that was like a cool moment. It was like, okay, this is cool. You guys are working together as like this really cool tag team. And then it was just like, nah, we're just going to turn into English evil. And we're going to like make up some like obviously incredibly faked video that like apparently like, you know, Lana cheated on Rusev with him and like Milwaukee or, you know, just like, this is dumb. Why is this on? Um, so I hate to say it, but I'm, I'm bored. I'm bored of Rusev now. And it's just. Yeah, annoys me. Um, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm annoyed by the Shield. There isn't a single member of the Shield that I care about, which, which sucks. Because I mean, I just can't enjoy Seth Rollins in any way, even though he's a very, very good worker. I just, I, I mean, he needs to just be a bad guy. I mean, that guy just. I mean, 
any of those guys in the shield. I mean, the one guy that doesn't really work as a bad guy is the one they'll make the bad guy, and that's Dean Ambrose. And he just <laughs> he's he's like, I don't care about him, and and you can't make me care about him. Um, <clears throat> you know, I've been saying it and saying it and saying it. All the smarks say Roman Reigns is a bad guy. That's somebody you could care about. You know, that's somebody you could get behind. But you know, eh. um, you know, it's just like. If you look at okay, so here's this thing. So I I, I I don't know who said it or where I read it. It might have even been you who said it on social media, where it's like, um, wrestling smarks you and me and 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 the thousands and millions of others, and that like we think we know how it'd be better. Wrestling right now isn't for us. Like like WWE isn't for us. They don't they don't give us a storyline we care about, but. We still watch. We have the most like caustic love hate relationship with our <laughs> sport when it comes to WWE. We all pay ten dollars a month to have to have their, to, to subscribe to the network. We all watch all of their pay per views, and then we all hate it all the time. And we just hate it. And we hate everything about it, and we hate how they run it, and then we hate how they just screw things up because. Because every once in a while they have one thing that works really well, like having Alexa Bliss being the women's champion for like seven months or whatever. She was oh, she's perfect, just like like just the perfect heel uh, in charge of having that belt. That was that was that was a great title run. The problem is is now that they've taken the belt off her, she has nothing to do. She I mean she is bringing Ronda Rousey in to be uh, the champion. It was like the dumbest thing ever. I mean I realize, but it's money, right? People will tune in and watch because it's Ronda Rousey, but she is. There's a problem when you I mean with Brock Lesnar because he was in the WWE, then he left to go to the UFC, then he came back. You could buy into him doing that. You could suspend your disbelief long enough to think that it was something. But here's the deal with Ronda Rousey: it's like she came in, like, and and they they skyrocketed her to the top, and they gave her the belt. And she still is so fresh on the, like, she's legitimately, like, pe- somebody knocks people out, you know? So, like, the idea that she's, like, getting beat up by Alexa Bliss, who, m- mind you, my daughter is the same height. My, my, my daughter, <laughs> who, is, <laughs> who is 11, is the same height at five foot one as, as Alexa Bliss, the idea that Alexa Bliss is going to like beat her up, it's like you're not going to buy into that. Nobody's going to believe that for a second. So when you see her being thrown around by somebody, it's like you don't, you don't like. It's like oh fine, whatever. When's the comeback? You know, you're just you're 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 out. You don't care. She, and um, what? Go, go ahead. ahead. Finish your thought. No, I just. So you're asking me who I like? I mean, it's just like it's tough to find things you like. You can find little moments that you're like, oh, that was kind of neat. Like Elias is a great heel. He never even has to wrestle. No, he doesn't. He's just entertaining, yeah. which, is, which is unfortunate because he's, he's a pretty good wrestler. And the thing is, is that he can actually really play the guitar. Like I, I went to a house show uh, in Grand Forks, North Dakota. He came out and he played like a seven-minute acoustic guitar solo. And the crowd started, and the crowd like was like he just came out, didn't say a word. Everybody's booing him. He starts playing. He plays this fantastic like guitar solo. He gets done. The crowd cheers for him, crazy cheers for him. And he's like, "Well, I guess you're not as stupid as y'all look." 
And then so it's like every stream for immediate booze. Like it was just like, and we're back, you know, just like, you know, and and he's like, he he had the crowd into his hands and it's just like, but like Elias, it's just like, nobody, he's fun to watch. I mean, Kevin Owens is fun, but like what the, they basically had, you know, Braun Strowman beat the tar out of him and bully him. That was unforgivable. Which was dumb. And just and just buried him, you know, and like did nothing with him. And what's up with I me? Mean, it's like, oh, we're gonna turn Braun Strowman heel. Why? It's like it's just like so now you you had Braun Strowman run roughshod over like the entire locker room, and and now you're gonna have him like be get beat up by by Roman Reigns all the time. I it, I I thought the best. It's not what made the money, of course, but I thought the best use of Braun Strowman was his feud with Sami Zayn when he first went to the main roster and broke from the Wyatt family, uh, where he was basically like a a boss in a video game where you can't you can't hurt him directly. Sami Zayn got his butt kicked week after week. Mick Foley would come in and threaten to throw in the towel and say, "Hey man, like you just you're not going to cut it on raw. Like you can't, we can't win a match kind of thing. And I thought that was a really cool storyline. And then Sammy starts to figure it out, right? Like, Oh, we'll let him just run into stuff and hurt himself. And then, uh, do, you know, do the hell of a kick in the corner or whatever. And, uh, and I, I thought that was a really cool thing, but I totally lost it. Um, and lost all interest in, in him as a character and uh, really as a performer, although it's not his fault, in the Elimination Chamber this last this last go-around, where he took everyone's finisher in the match and then still kicked out multiple times. Like, they did, they did one finisher after the other. He got AA'd, he got Kurt, it wasn't a, no, Seth wasn't in it. He got Coup de Grade, um, he got Skull Crushing Finale because The Miz is, is incredible. Um, I'm a big fan of his. And it's yeah. still, and I, I hate the idea of an untouchable type character, and uh, it's just so not interesting to me. But it's, I love, it, I love the jobbers. I mean, well, you know, it's it's. If I was a wrestler, I'd want to be a heel. I mean, they they have the more fun job, right? I mean, oh, yeah, for sure. You, you might not sell the merch, but you you definitely seem to have more fun. I still remember the day that I was watching WCW many 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 years ago, and. And uh, um, oh, who was who was Shane Douglas, who had real life heat with with Ric Flair, like hated him, like hated 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 him, you know, for whatever perceived insult that he that he had with him. Huh. And um, and there was some situation where Shane Douglas is part of some stable. I don't even remember what it was anymore, but Ric Flair in one of his rare uh, face turns was like sitting out there and and they and he was getting the boot dance from the bad guys and then here comes Shane Douglas with like two other guys and the two other guys are are just running forward and then for the briefest of instance you see Shane Douglas and he's got this evil grin on his face and he's just and he's like doing the maniacal like rubbing his hands uh-huh. together like like just like like there's no cameras on him there's no, there's nobody like you saw it for like a half a second, you know, like like on TV, but that was just for the people in the audience seeing it. And like he was just reveling, ah, you know, I get to go in there and, and like pretend beat up this human being that I just absolutely hate. And he just, yeah, the bad guys have more fun. I mean, they just they 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 enjoy their jobs way more than 
you know, take your vitamins, say your yeah, prayers. For sure. Do you think it's easier uh, to be a heel than a face? Um, probably. I but, think right um, now, especially right now, it seems like we've never had a time more in it, at least America. It, it feels like everywhere, but I'm American and I'm self-centered. Um, where we've never been so quick to look for an argument uh, in something and really not and not hear it. So it just seems like it's never been easier for somebody to um, push someone's buttons. Yeah, no, I'll give you that. I think I think for a lot of things is like um, in wrestling, though, it's tough for people to like, you know, truly. Like the old ways of being a heel don't work anymore. You can't just come in and badmouth the town, you know, <laughs> unless you're Elias. Apparently. Unless you're Elias, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but you can't, you know, so it doesn't work like that. I mean, this thing they got going right now with AJ Styles and Samoa Joe, like, I'm in your house. You know, it's just like, what? No, you're not. I'm, nobody believes you're, like, stalking my wife because that's too real, right? You're stalking my wife. I'm calling the goddamn cops. <laughs> you know, I, 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 well, have is... on, I have it on video that you're doing this. I'm yeah. going to get a restraining order. You're not going to be able to do it anymore. This is you know? the same universe where you can uh, viciously beat up the cops and still be okay. Yeah. So I, it's just, it's, it, it doesn't, it doesn't play well. So it doesn't make sense to me. I mean, the best thing they got going right now is Charlotte Flair versus Becky Lynch. Honestly. I love Becky. Well, I mean, and well, you know what? You wouldn't love Becky as much if, if, but it's just like, it's new, Right. Sure. It's, sure, sure. It's 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 because if if it was if it was just Becky Lynch out there, then you would be. But no, they said Becky Lynch, you have an attitude now. You're not going to be this like, you're not going to be the steampunk girl anymore that never wins. We're gonna we're you're gonna have an attitude, and 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 it's it's something new. It's 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 not the same old breakfast. You know, it's like oh, this is different. You know, well, I, I I I have blueberries in my pancakes. You know, I mean, right. We we got we got that we got that turn and I wouldn't I wouldn't even really call it a turn but we got that development in her character after a couple years of just not quite getting it done right and just one thing after getting stabbed in the back by somebody too many times until finally she says you know what it's gonna be about me now I'm gonna and I'm gonna be the one that's kicking ass and I'm not gonna feel bad about it anymore. Uh, well, and the big thing cool. is with her is that it's almost now because the crowd is cheering for and she's supposed to be the bad guy. I mean, they're just, and the thing is, is that you can't have a, you can't have a face flare. It just doesn't work. You, you mean flares are meant to be bad guys. And Charlotte flair was always better as the bad girl, you know, just like as the heel, you know, just like let her be, you know, come and come and face your queen, you know, like that. I'm in charge of the women's wrestling, you know, that mm-hmm. I mean, she you know, it's 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 the perfect role for her, and and so let Becky Lynch. But but you don't want to turn Becky Lynch good either. You want her just to be that kind of weird stone cold tweener. You know, just like which yeah, you know, I'm sure. not. I mean, she isn't stone cold level, but I mean, it's definitely like people care about her more than everything. The weird thing is, is that between Raw and SmackDown, SmackDown almost always has the better stuff going on, and but like for whatever reason, Raw just seems more produced. If that makes sense, it does. It does make sense. It, it's, um, it's really unfortunate. I, I, I enjoy wrestling, right? I'll watch a three-hour show and be completely happy with it. The the eight-hour pay-per-views are, are a little much for one day, um, but when it's on in the background, you don't have to pay attention to the crap you no. don't want to. It's it's 
it's not as unbearable. This super showdown thing coming up is just it it's the most worthless thing I've seen in my life. I, I, I just there's these thrown together matches that make no sense other than the fact that we just need to have John Cena wrestle. You know? <laughs> I, I, I mean it's just like why is this even a thing right now? I hope I, I certainly hope John Cena breaks out as whatever his sixth move of doom, which I'm assuming you saw, which was that weird like punch. backhanded punch or whatever <laughs> that he did. And just which you know I would like to believe that he just did that as a joke. You know, I think like, so. I mean, he he knew it was ridiculous. He just he was like, "That's fine." Of I, course, it's like the the weird thing. How like it's gonna be? It's gonna be live at five o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Like like on because it's in Australia. There's no way I'm getting up at five o'clock in the morning to watch this, but I will watch it later on in the day. Yeah, you know? for sure. Yeah, I'm going to as well. Uh, probably when I wake up, I'll start it. Um, I'm excited. I I think this is the this is the thing that gets Joe Samoa Joe the the strap finally. But I don't uh, want him to have the strap after this this ridiculously stupid, like 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 oh I I'm I'm chasing after your family thing. I I'm okay with Samoa Joe getting the belt, but this is just a bad way to do it. I just here I'm just gonna quick like I'm not gonna like we're not gonna go match by match. But this, these are the matches we have. We have Oscar and Naomi versus the Iconics. Who cares? This is no background. This this is a match to have a match, and this th- that's going to be a very common uh, uh, statement. New well, day, Aust- Australian. They're going to have that local that local buzz going. The iconics. Well, yes, that's fine, but still, who cares? Uh, New day versus Sheamus and Sorrow. Who? Why don't they call him the Bar? I mean, that's just like that's the thing. That they, the yeah, I, love, I, I love the Bar. I, I think Sheamus and Cesaro is like one of the best tag teams. Um, yeah, that that made me mad. Cesaro but, um, may be the best worker. Pairing him up with Sheamus was like a great idea. Yeah, the two of those together work really well. I love their entrance too. I do too. Yeah, it's just so good. Um, Yeah, but I mean, you know, no chance New Day drops the belt that match. I mean, you you can you can guess what the who's going to win and lose these. You know, for sure, each one just like Cedric Alexander versus Buddy Murphy. They're going to give it to Buddy Murphy. That's going to be the oh, you're welcome. You know, to, to the Australian crowd. That's what they're going to do there. Let him let him hoist the flag and do his thing. Ronda Rousey and the Bella Twins versus the Riot Squad. Can I somehow fast forward through this match live? I mean, it, like, <laughs> I, 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 I don't care. I, I don't care. Let's have Brie Bella knock somebody out again. Oh, you know? and that was hard to see, man. It, and the fact that she had no idea that she'd done it either. I, I mean, like, just she is not a good worker you know i i I get it you know she's you know but no just you know if you if if you're constantly hurting people in the ring you're not doing your job you're not protecting you know but anyway uh daniel bryan versus the miz the german number one contender if the miz doesn't win this i riot i want the miz to have the the championship so bad but the problem with this is that if Whoever wins this determines who wins the next thing, right? Right. I mean, because if Daniel Bryan wins, then it's got to be Samoa Joe. And if the Miz wins, then it's got to be AJ Styles. I mean, it's just, that's, it's, it's, because, I mean, I guess you could think that Daniel Bryan would win and you'd have like this ultimate show, ultimate fight between AJ and Daniel Bryan. But am I the only person here who's been pretty nonplussed with this whole Daniel Bryan return? Like, 
Yeah, I'm. I wasn't ever a big fan of his. Uh, the when I started watching again after my like ten year hiatus, um, uh, was WrestleMania 30 or whatever when he beat Evolution and or was it Triple H or Evolution yeah, and whoever was the champion to win the unification titles or whatever. And uh, so I missed the whole yes movement. I missed Team Hell No. I missed everything of his. And uh, I didn't get it. I didn't get why he had so much energy behind him. And when he got hurt and had to retire, I was like, oh, that sucks because this guy's legitimately giving up his dream right now. When he came back, I was like, oh, that's cool because now he gets to follow his dream again. Uh, but eh, he's not the Miz. I mean, no. Miz is incredible. But I also think that for the sake of storytelling maybe and because i want joe to be champion maybe it makes sense to be to have daniel win yeah i mean that's fine but i mean um and if you're gonna give it and the thing is aj's had the strap for this long he's had a great run and you know it's time for him to drop it you know it's time for there to be something else going on i don't know what aj does after this but you know maybe he can he and the miz can have some great tear tear down the house matches or something like that who knows um Becky Lynch versus Charlotte. That'll be the that'll be the reason I'm watching, because be- there's no way Becky Lynch loses for one, but it'll be a good match. Gosh, I two. hope not. <laughs> what I said, I hope I hope she doesn't lose. Oh no! I mean, they can't be that stupid. I mean, well... and, unless unless they turn <laughs> Charlotte unless they turn Charlotte complete heel and like cheats to win, you know. Then and then then have Becky Lynch be fuming, Stone Cold Steve Austin chasing down the belt, and then and then like and then you know, you know, destroying her and and like it in in a in a future pay per view or something like that. Hmm. Um, what what will most likely be the worst match? It'll last five minutes and nobody will care. John Cena for some reason teamed up with Bobby Lashley to face Kevin Owens and Elias. Why? Yeah, I don't know. Just well, it's it's so John Cena's there. It's just it's it's so it's so people can hear can yell out John Cena sucks. Yeah, it could be a good palate cleanser just for the sake of pro wrestling, right? You have two really good heels, you have two strong baby faces who can come in and 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 kick the crap out of them. Everyone feels great about it at the end of the day, and to build you up to whatever's coming next. Yeah. Uh, and then AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe, which we already referenced, and then Undertaker versus Triple H, which, hey, I I am all for being able to see Undertaker come down and take 17 minutes to walk down that aisle, and, and you know, and when I hear when I hear the bell, I have goosebumps every single time. I did and, too. And and he is he is a living legend. He is he is a he is a gateway to the past. You know, uh, I mean, I watched him when I was a kid. You know, so like, and to see him come down there, and and go through the go through the motions and do it again. I mean, you know, I'm all for it. But what's the point? <laughs> well, like, you know, and they and they try to drum up some sort of like excitement here. I mean, it, Kane, I guess technically will probably be there. I mean, Shawn Michaels will be there. How, how funny was it? Building for a, sh- a match back with Sean, right? So he can come back and do something. Yeah, but it wasn't it kind of funny when I mean, it, hey, I, I I can't throw stones in my glass house over here. Wasn't it kind of funny when Sean when Shawn Michaels' uh, cowboy hat fell off and you realized that he was pretty much bald? Yeah, and he and he, and he had like the 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 I'm not bald bandana on. Yeah, <laughs> it was just kind of like, ah, uh, you know, time has 
Well, you know what? He's, he's, he sleeps on his bed full of money. I'm pretty sure he's okay. Yeah, I'm sure so, he's all right. I wish I, he'd get I, his I eye fixed. Uh, yes, but, what's up with that? I don't, I don't understand know. that. I don't remember yeah. it ever being as crossed as it is today when it, whenever he, uh, I was young. Yeah, I don't know. It, it was weird. So here, the big thing here is, though, is that we don't have a match with the Shield on here at all. That's okay. Well, which is fine. Yeah. I think the Shield is the biggest waste of time in wrestling right now. I I, I could not. I, I you you couldn't pay me to care about about what the Shield is doing right now. I, I think I, I think they need to continue to put uh, Dolph and Drew McIntyre over because those guys. I I was saying that um, it'll never happen, but they could they could restart a new version of the NWO, right? Uh, with those two guys and a mysterious third man or whatever, uh, and have it be Cena heel turn, fine, just like Hogan. It yeah, is the scene last chapter in Cena's career before he comes back when he's sixty and is a bit is a good guy again. Should be him, Hollywood Cena style. I mean, they could rip off the whole damn thing again, and I would love it. Well, and the whole problem is, well, once again, we're smart, so it'll never happen. But, yeah. um, you know, but but I once uh, when Michael Fox and I we we did a he's he's he comes on the TMG podcast and, and talks wrestling with me when there's a pay per view. But he 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 and I and his wife did a wrestling pay per view for a little while, a wrestling podcast just for a little while. We did like you know six seven episodes and we just ran out of time and had trouble scheduling it or whatever. But um, I once I, I took a half hour to script out my John Cena heel turn and how glorious it would be. Oh, and I read it. And no, yeah, I'd, I'd have to I have to find it. But I mean, it was it was like it was one of those things where it's like you you'd have to, you one you'd have to get him to stop being in the movies for a little while, and he'd have to come back and he'd have to wrestle for like a year, and the whole thing was about him chasing the the, the, beating, the, championship the beating the championship that puts him over. Okay. The championship that puts him over the top, the to, to 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 be ahead of Flair, and it was like it was this process of like he comes back and then he loses, and then he comes back and he loses, and he comes back and he loses, and he comes back and he loses, and John always does that thing when he's in thing when when like he 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 hits the he hits the attitude adjustment, and and like the, they kick out and he gets that look of frustration on his face like what do I gotta do you know to yeah. to, to win this match you know. And you know, and like you know, hits the five knuckle shuffle, and you know it doesn't work. You know, just all those things where it's like they, he's he's trying to win, and then finally, and I was trying to, you know, I don't know who it was at the time, but like he he beats the he beats him by like just like convinces like somehow does reverse psychology gets the gets the the guy the heel evil guy to 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 tell him it's a no disqualification match or something like that. And then John Cena agrees, you know, whatever. And then he comes back, he comes out and, and like he, he, at one point he reaches underneath like the, 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 the ring and he pulls out the old thugonomics chain. And, <laughs> and then, and then he, and then he, he's got to just bust the guy wide open. Like, 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 you know, you, you, they don't bleed anymore except for special occasions, but he's just got to, He's got to give the guy, as as the the late great American Dream would say, he's got to give him the crimson mask, mm-hmm. you know. And it's just got to be, and then and then he's got to just, and then you know, and 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 like he's got to like you know, and he's got to do every heel thing that's awful, where like you got him pinned, like one, 
two, and then pick him up on three. You yeah. know, don't pin him. And then get him up and then hit him with an AA. Get out, like, the, the steps, hit him on an AA on that. You know, just, just hit him with the chain over and over again. Just brutalize the guy. Just just whoever it is. And turn him, like, and have him, like, like a thing where it's like, oh, you know, I've got my wife in the stands to watch me beat the heck out of John uh, Cena. And then, like, have her come out and try to help him and have him, have him like, shove her away, you know, and, like, you know, like have her run in. The guy, like, you know, realizes that, like, John Cena just shoved his wife. He has that moment of coming back a little bit. You know, just every heel thing you possibly can finally puts him away. One, two, three. You know, John Cena stands up, blood all over his knuckles, holding the, like, this. You know, he's like, he's like, He's like, you know, I used to say, he gets on the mic, and he's like, I used to say, you know, hustle, loyalty, respect. That's what I did for the last, like, nine months chasing this title. I, you know, I did this, and I realized that why I didn't win was because I didn't realize to focus on myself. So I'm done, you know, I'm done yeah. going and visiting sick kids. I'm done just, like, just <laughs> burn it to the ground. Burn the whole thing straight to the ground. Like, you would have so people would be tossing garbage and crap and have him come out just wearing black you know like you know just like you know just like have some new like you know his statement i forget what it is but it was like hustle love your respect you know it's just like you know me 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 would be like this new thing and 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 then like have him just run rough shot over like the over the over the locker room you know just you know take on you know like you know just just do all the classic heel moves of like you know like you know you're i'm losing a match i leave I'll take the count out. Sorry, I still got the belt. You know, just like do all those things. Just be the cowardly, crummy heel, and just never. And then, and then like have something. But then you have the big, like you have the return to glory. You know, and like and and you know, it's like have him. You know, like you have to have something where, something like when, you know, uh, when Hogan came out to save, uh, Madness Macho Man. You know, like when he was getting the boot dance out in the ring. You know, uh, you know, have Hogan when he when he, when he put he put back on the the, the yellow and, and the and the red. You know, one you know he came back. You know, and the crowd just couldn't. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, see, see, I can script that out, and you and I'd be like, that'd be amazing. But they'll never do it. They'll never do it because it's it, it makes them so much money. John Cena is is you know, for lack of a better term, money in the bank. And that's what it is. Yeah, no, it makes sense. It makes sense, man. Um, that's that's a really good storyline. I think I had one. I had one that I, I think is just as good. It's a little bit more comedy. It involves our good friend Braun Strowman, and what I would have hoped would have been um, uh, an intercontinental title squash against whoever had the belt. Braun's got it. Um, he does an open challenge. Heath Slater of all people uh, answers the challenge ends up doing a schoolboy and pins Braun for three out of nowhere and then just gets destroyed after the match. And then Braun proceeds to haunt Heath everywhere he goes, does crap like he did with uh, with Lesnar and them where he's he's knocking over uh, the truck that he's in um, he he brings the scaffolding down on him or whatever you know and, and he's all, he, he can't defend the title because he's always so damn hurt. Uh, so he never quite gets a chance to do it, but it, it, it ends and Heath and they have the big showdown after Heath is eating uh, dinner at his double wide or single wide or whatever with his seven kids. And then Braun Strowman comes and flips over his trailer house with his family, with him and his family <laughs> inside. 
<laughs> and that what that's what spurs Heath to finally say, you know what, enough's enough. We got to fight. And uh, I had Heath win in it, but uh, I thought that'd be awesome to keep him just a, a mega monster. And uh, then they started doing all the baby face stuff with him and Elias and whatever. And uh, I was like, oh, well, that goes that guy, that good idea. No, I mean, that, that, the flipping over the, the trailer, the, that would be amazing. Yeah, I thought it'd be good. Oh, man. Well, dude, we almost talked for a whole two hours here, man. I appreciate you sticking around with me tonight. I apologize for, for eating up your bandwidth, as you will. Oh, no. I love it. And I, you know what? At the end of the day, it's all that matters. Did I have fun? Yep. Check. <laughs> Post it. That's what I say. <laughs> yeah. Cut um, it. Print it. Make it happen. Yeah. Uh, dude, it was such a pleasure talking with you, Lance. Man, we have to do this again sometime. Yeah, absolutely, man. Anytime you, anytime you want me on, just let me know. Uh, for sure, we, um, we can we can bore people for another two hours. There we go. Uh, what do you say? Uh, oh, I always try to have my guests leave leave the uh, leave the internet or the world with a little bit of uh, sage advice. What does Undead Viking have to say uh, right now to to leave our listeners? Um, <laughs> well, I uh, my grandfather, uh, uh, my 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 dad's dad. Uh, whenever I, I hung out with him or did anything with him, he would always. Uh, he'd always like. He usually end up telling me stories about things that he did. He'd tell me he was in World War II, so he'd tell me stories about being in World War II, and he'd tell me, uh, like you know, just uh, like things about life and and how to how to how to like um, uh, you know just just kind of figure things out, you know. And like he's the he's the guy who told me he said um, this is back when hundred dollars was a lot of money, but he always had a hundred dollar bill in his in his wallet, and I would always be like, why do you have a hundred dollar bill in your wallet? And he said because you never know. When you're absolutely positively going to need to have hundred dollars to give somebody for them to do something for you, it's like it's like one of those things. Like he, that was like something he always did. Now hundred dollars, it's still money. It's still a lot of money, but you know, it's like it wasn't what it was back in like when I was like in you know 1975 or 76 when I when I'd see the hundred dollar bill and my eyes would just you know come out of my sockets when I'd see it. It was just like oh my gosh, you're you're a millionaire, you know. Um, no, uh, but like one of the uh, one of the biggest things um, he always used to say was. Um, we go on walks. Uh, he lived in Washburn, North Dakota with my grandma. And, uh, there was this train track because, like in North Dakota, a lot of towns are just where the grain elevators are. That's that, that, because that's where the farmers take all their grain and, 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 and where it sits until it gets on a train. And, 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 you know, that's how they, you know, harvest and things like that. And, um, and he was actually the sheriff for the county that he lived in and like the, his house was close to where the sheriff's thing was. And it was next to the jail. And that was my grandma's job. She took care of the jail and she made the, she like cooked all the food for the inmates and things like that. It was, you know, it's kind of just this quaint little thing that like this little life. They did. He was also the, the ambulance driver for the town too. That was cool. He would, he would take me in and he let me, he let me play the siren, you know, and stuff like that. And, and um, anyway, he was a really cool guy and uh, I miss him. Like, you know, whenever I think about him, I'm like, Oh, you know, grandpa, he was pretty awesome. I mean, all my grandparents were really awesome. And, um, but anyway, so ultimately, um, there was, there was a time when we were on one of these walks and whenever we'd, um, whenever he, he'd, we'd hear a train coming, like he'd, he'd always make sure you put a handful of change in his pocket and then he'd hand me the handful of change and then we'd put it on the, the railroad tracks and, and, and we'd, and like he'd, uh, um, 
it, it would it would like squish the the money, and then we we then we'd look for the money, and they'd be squished. Well, one and he was always like pennies and and, and nickels and dimes is what he'd bring. But one time he brought these quarters, and like a quarter was a lot of money to me. Like a quarter was like a, like a candy bar, you know, or like a soda. <laughs> and I was just like, Grandpa, we can't put the quarters on there. Those like you know they'll get squished, and then they won't be worth anything. And he said, and he said, and then he was like, No, we're gonna put them on here. And then. He, they they took them, and then and he and then they squished them, and then and then he we, he took them back and he he was just because you know that was just this type of person back in the day, he had all these tools and like he he put these holes in in the tops of these squished uh, uh, um, uh, quarters and then he he put a chain he had like these chains and he put them through there, and he made necklaces for me and my sister my older sister and older brother. And he was like, and he said, he said, um, he, he said, when you when you get older, he said, that's going to be worth a lot more to you than a quarter. Huh. And and I and then so, I uh, and and I, so now I still have that. I, I I see it every once in a while. Like I, I'm going through my stuff and I find this this necklace that he made me of this in like and so I have this like this this little picture this moment in time with my grandpa where where i did this and like you know it was just me and him in the middle of nowhere in north dakota and and it's like he was just doing it to be the cool grandpa and to hang out with me but ultimately what it was for me was it was just like um you never know when you're going to have like a weird signature moment in your life that you're going to remember uh years later so like don't be in so much of a hurry to like take that moment and like savor it. Like I, with my kids, it's like, that's something it's like, you know, it's like I have two kids. We're not going to have any more. So like every single time, every single time I, my son gets a day older, I'm like, this is the last time I'm ever going to have my son at this age. I'm never going to have another child where they'll be this age again. So it's like, so find something about this day. That's really awesome. And try to remember that. And I'm not gonna remember all of them. But like when you are, you know, if we all if we're all so lucky when we're, you know, in our nineties and we're still alive, it won't matter like how much money we got in the bank. It won't matter uh, you know, what job we had. It won't matter, you know, like like uh, the the prestigious title we held at some point, you know, it, it, that we can fall back on or whatever. Um, the only thing that's going to matter is is your memories and 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 the th- the people you touched and the people that you affected. So you know, try to be uh, uh, Tim Norris says this all the time: be the person that people want to be around, and make a co- like a conscious effort to be that person. And it's tough, but like, I don't want to leave this existence and have people think, "Oh, he was kind of a shithead." You know, <laughs> I, I want people to think, "Oh, that was a really awesome, dude." And and it was just like, and so that's kind of like when um, I'm again at a convention and and people recognize me because of the videos I do. And they're like, hey, you're the Undead Viking. And it's just like, unless I'm in a really big hurry, I always like stop and I try to talk to them for like five minutes and just ask them how the convention's going and just try to make that little interaction with them like really fun because I have fun talking to them about it. And I hope that like when they leave, they're like, oh, that was really cool. 
you know, that was that was kind of a cool guy to talk to or whatever. And it's like, and it's a little self-serving, right? Because it makes me feel kind of good about myself. But it also is just like, it took like almost no resources on my end to do anything more than that. And and it's like, and, and to, be, to be completely fair, people like Rado, people like uh, Tom Vassell, um, you know, Jeremy Salinas, they all do that. They, they, they really try to make... I mean, the niche we have in this weird board game world where we're like quasi celebrities, and I don't. And trust me, I consider myself at the like the lowest of the bottom ladder rung compared to those people. And but you know, it's like they um, they make they make the they they definitely try to like make that interaction awesome. And 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 even if like you don't don't have you know a thousand videos on YouTube and you don't have people at conventions recognize you, like just people in your life that see you and they're happy to see you and they smile and they have that interaction with you, and you know, like you want them to leave that interaction with like the best possible like feeling in their heart, and and it, you won't do it all the time, but you should try to do it as often as you can. Because you know that at, at at the end of everything is is the measure of your existence, and it like I said, it isn't going to matter. Like it is your money, your stuff, your 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 station in life. It won't mean anything, but how you're remembered is 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 your true legacy. So I remember my grandfather because he was awesome and he was funny and he was giving. And he was a very, very kind soul. And that's what I know him as, because he took the time to treat his grandson like he was gold. And I, I mean, I'm getting kind of sad right now because he's gone. But I mean, one day I'll meet him again. And I look forward to that because he was a really awesome dude. And um, yeah, it's just like I try to live my life by that, uh, by that uh, idiom, if you will. That's awesome, man. That's uh, that's very powerful. Well, it's just it's it's easy. It's easy, man. Just think of the people in your life that that you love that like mean so much to you, and and it's 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 really easy to uh, uh, allow that that feeling, that emotion to like just if you let it into your heart, it's 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 really easy just to be overwhelmed by it, and I think that in this day and age with our computers and our video games and our movies and our, you know, all the stuff that we do that just take up all that time. And there's nothing wrong with movies. There's nothing wrong with TV shows. There's nothing wrong with, you know, playing Fortnite for three hours. If you just need to like, just turn off your brain, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. I do those things, but you know, you have to, at the end of the day, remember it's like, it's 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 the woman who who lays down beside me at, at night and and sleeps next to me that like you know who gave me the unending gift of being a father which is like the most stupendous gift that I've ever been given Indeed. um yeah i mean it's just like it's it's if you if you allow yourself to realize just how important these people are i mean it's just like it's like yeah my mom can drive me crazy sometimes but um and and there was a time when I was like so mad at my mother for just like driving me nutballs, and I'm like in my early 40s, and I was at a convention, and I was complaining about how my mom was calling me at this convention, and she was bothering me, and this guy across the table said, he's like, you know, you should really be nicer to your mom, and I didn't know this guy, 
to save my life. I was like, what's it to you? <laughs> you know, and I was like, you know, what's, what's your deal? And he's like, my mom died six months ago. I'd give anything to have one more conversation with her. Damn. Yeah. And I was just kind of like, oh, you know, he didn't say it like, oh, shame on you. He just said, he's like, one day your mom won't be there anymore and you'll really miss her. So you should probably be nicer to her. Yeah. And I was just like, dang, dude, you're right. You know, and it like it wasn't like and it was like and I immediately like it's one of those things where you open up your heart and you're like, yeah, that's like this the right thing to do. Right. I mean, just take that time. The time is the one resource. All of us have a very finite amount of. So, you know, use it wisely. And, 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 and you know, like I said, if if, if, if you want to like sit on board game geek and research games for an hour or two hours. That's, that's great. But just remember that like, that's an hour or two hours that you can't get back and you have to be happy. You have to do those things, but don't let all of those little things that like seem really important, which really aren't like take away from the stuff. That's like the most important, which are the, are the people in our lives that we love and that we cherish. Oh man, that's beautiful. Well, I, mean, I think like those those were probably the best ending words we've ever had on this show, and uh, <laughs> I don't know how many episodes we've done now, man. Uh, thank you for that, Lance. It's, it is truly a pleasure talking with you, buddy. No problem, brother. Uh, the pleasure is all on this side of the table. Oh, that's nice. All right, y'all. I hope you appreciated this, or, or hope you liked it. Not appreciated. I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate Lance, and then and, uh, and everyone else, man. Um, this was really awesome. Uh, all around got to talk about all of my favorite things and then uh lance hit us with a with a big old case of feelings at the end and made made that lump in my throat grow so uh man i really appreciate you lance i can't i can't stress that enough buddy i love you brother you take care of yourself you too man thank you guys for listening uh please subscribe if you haven't already we're on itunes stitcher smart radio tell your friends and until next time game on mm-hmm.